This is episode 30 of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast. I'm very, very excited to share my conversation with Jennifer Barron of the Garment District. We spoke about many, many things, uh, many of Jennifer's interests. Uh, we share a lot of the same interests, whether it's music, art, and what have you. But most importantly, we discussed her 2023 album, Flowers Telegraph to All Parts of the World, on Happy, Happy Birthday to Me. Uh, this album means a lot to me. Uh, it was one of my top albums of 2023, uh, great instrumentation, lyrics are awesome. Uh, her cousin Lucy handled most of the vocals, and um, I, I think I referred to her as a rock star during the interview. So without spending too much more time, I wanted to share part one of my two-part discussion with Jennifer Barron of The Garment District.
All right, we just heard the song, The Starfish Song by The Garment District, and I am super, super, super excited today to have Jennifer Barron, the main perpetrator behind The Garment District. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much. It's such a huge honor to be invited, and I'm saying hello from Pittsburgh, PA tonight. Love Pittsburgh. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple uh, nuggets on here that I'm going to ask you about about Pittsburgh because it's one of my favorite towns. And, I, and I'm not just saying that because you're on here. Uh, I just I don't know. I seem to connect with it. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it later on. So um, it's awesome to have you. I love the Starfish song. I, I've sent it to people who just frankly really aren't in the stratosphere as far as listening to maybe this type of music. And every one of them is like, where can I hear more? <laughs> Thank you. So, oh, that's so fantastic to hear. Yeah. I love hearing people. I love hearing different responses to the music, especially people who aren't familiar with the Garment District at all. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I wrote to you early on and I said, this is just an album that needs to be heard. And every time I hear it, I think the same thing. So you have a fan here. So let's let's talk a little bit about kind of the the early days. I like to kind of lay the groundwork for, you know, how this project got started. Um, if you wouldn't mind maybe just sharing how the Garment District was born. Absolutely. So after I moved to Pittsburgh, you know, I was living in New York for about 10 years in New York City, and I was really focusing, I, I would like to describe it as focusing my creative energies, I guess, um, in other areas beyond music. And I worked for a number of years as education director at the Mattress Factory Museum. So this would be one of the places I would take you if you visited me in Pittsburgh. Love it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's an incredible contemporary art museum, kind of like a more of a laboratory residency for living artists because everything is created on site um, in the museum spaces um, by contemporary artists from all over the world. And I was kind of lured here at the time because well, one of the things that interested me the most is um, for the museum's anniversary was a large scale, really the first of its kind, James Terrell retrospective. Mm. And um, I worked in museums when I was living in New York City, including the Brooklyn Museum of Art. And so um, I got to work with a ton of incredible contemporary artists, such as James Terrell, artists from Cuba, um, artists from Pittsburgh, from all over the country. And so worked there um, really was the first full-time education director and established programming for schools, adults, and teens, so all ages. And I also, for uh, many years, was one of the co-organizers of Handmade Arcade. And um, I think we kind of have a type of a sister event in Detroit. I don't know if it was called Handmade Detroit, um, but I don't know how familiar you are with the indie craft scene. Um, and this was really at the time pre, I like to say pre Etsy where we, um, when the event was started in Pittsburgh and I had been participating in renegade craft fairs when I lived in New York city, uh, both in New York and Chicago, traveled to Chicago. And so I was a vendor for the first handmade arcade in Pittsburgh, selling some of my handmade products, like greeting cards and t-shirts and some of my sew pro projects that I would sew. And then I became one of the volunteers and one of the organizers and ultimately a staff member. It was just a few of us and we established a nonprofit. Um, and then I was also involved in um, produce, producing a photography book. So contributing photography and editing and contributing essays. And that's called the Pittsburgh Signs Project. 
Um, and it's a physical book that's about 200 pages, full color of photography by um, uh, photographers of all levels, all backgrounds, all ages from all over Western Pennsylvania. And the book was, it was a grant funded project um, funded through the Sprout Fund which was, we created it in, conjunct in conjunction with Pittsburgh's 250th anniversary. So it, it was a limited, a run, it was a limited run photography book, um, but you can still find copies for completely obscene prices on Amazon, places like that. <laughs> but it's, it's nice because it's in the libraries here. And I mean, one of my dreams is to do a second edition of the book because it was a, as as I said, it was a limited run, and we worked with the studio for creative inquiry at Carnegie Mellon University, and with CMU Press, and um, and then the, the book sold out pretty pretty quickly. But um, that was again that was a crowdsource. I mean, that was right when crowdsourcing was sort of starting as a concept for art mm -hmm. projects, and um, there were four of us who spearheaded the project. We all contributed photography and essays, and then curated the missions and we had, um, you know, concurrent exhibitions and a poster series and a postcard series. And the book was designed by this incredible Pittsburgh based designer named Brett Yasko, who we've worked with on several projects. So that's just to kind of give you sort of a backdrop of some of my other creative interests, <laughs> you know, ranging with museums and crafting and photography, because I see everything um, as connected and kind of organic. Like I don't see my music making a separate from any, from any of that. Um, but I guess I was starting to write music again and really just working on demos um, in my new house, which is not new anymore, but where, <laughs> where we live now in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and I was working with this Boss digital uh, eight track machine, you know, making yeah. demos with that on my computer, laptop, making demos on my phone, um, really just getting re-energized to start writing music again. And at that point, it was um, very much um, a solo endeavor. And then I, I'm very close with my, with my cousin Lucy, who's featured on the new album. And I, she was involved in mu musical theater we were both in theater in high school this for me was a long time ago but i was in theater and she was in both theater and musical theater so i just i don't know i recognized something or i thought in her something in her voice that i recognized that i thought would really fit organically with the music that i was writing and that's how i started having her involved in the recording process as far as singing so um but this this that's kind of like jumping ahead so i was working on demos and i started recording like outside of my house i started recording in my friend kevin's um house it turned out we became friends kevin smith is his name he was more of like a circuit bender experimental sound noise art artist mm -hmm. musician sure. and he lives in san francisco now but we met through the music scene in Pittsburgh. It's not that big of a city. <laughs> and we had a lot of friends in common. And we discovered that the old place that I, where I, the apartment I used to live in, what's called Friendship in Pittsburgh, um, great, best neighborhood name. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> in Friendship. So we were literally lived like two doors down from each other, but we didn't meet until we lived in a different neighborhood. So, um, I, you know, slowly started getting back into recording 
And I was recording with him on the third floor of his house, which was so cozy and, and great and supportive. And I guess I, I was starting to get kind of close to having some finished songs. It was just sort of a combination of material of like demos, some songs in progress, you know, so a mix. Mm-hmm. And I went to a show. I mean, I remember this so clearly. So I went to a show at a place called The Shop in Pittsburgh, which is now a brewery, but it's a really cool brewery <laughs> called <laughs> Trace. It's like all these industrial spaces that are, you know, vanishing from the urban environment. This was one of those places it's called The Shop had incredible shows you know no heating no ac um just kind of like a very much of a warehousey but but very much in the heart of the city so great very convenient um saw a lot of great shows there and uh i went to see wet hair i don't know if you're familiar with sean reed and night people records the label that he used to run i am familiar with the label yeah so and he was in he was in iowa city at the time and running the label and a screen printing artist and a musician. And he had a label before that. And it was just, you know, I I loved wet hair. I love that feeling of like going to see a band you've never heard of, because this is, I think, something that's become more and more rare. It's a topic I'm really interested in, like pre-social media days versus now. Oh, yeah. Going to see a band, you don't really know what to expect, but I, I loved their music. I mean, there was kind of a cross between like Spaceman 3 and New Order, like mm-hmm. two of my favorite bands. <laughs> and then I just loved seeing all the artwork that Sean had created for the label, mainly because a cassette label, but it was also releasing some vinyl. And we just talked a lot that night. So that's kind of was the motivation for um, sending him some of the music. I, I just remember I just sent him some files and like, he wrote back to me once at like 3 a.m. and was like, oh, do you want to do a tape? <laughs> <laughs> and that led to my album Melody Elder on Night People. Mm-hmm. And, and also kind of, you know, simultaneously, I was, I really wanted to do like a Girls in the Garage, to be honest, like a girl group, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a, of a better sure. you know, description, but I, I still like it. I love that. Mu- I love that music. And when I was living in New York, um, I had created this concept for, for this group called Frock. <laughs> and <laughs> we actually played a couple of shows with Sasha from Ladybug Transistor and Essex Green and Annie from Spent. Oh, yeah. Me, um, and then some of my friends from high school. And one of the shows we played was on the rooftop of Ryan McGuinness's um, amazing loft in Chinatown. I don't know if you're familiar with his artwork. I but he he's um a very uh successful contemporary artist now and he was a good friend of ours in new york and he did some of the graphic design for both ladybug and saturnine early early album artwork and so we played there we played at marlboro farms where we live where some of us lived you know our house in brooklyn where the ladybug studio is Mm -hmm. and so you know that was just something it's just been like a thread in my life of something i've always wanted to do musically and you know, around the same time of starting to write the new music and make the demos, I also played, came up with the idea of the name, the Garment District, because I'm really also into like names of bands and names of <laughs> titles and words, language, you know, like you are with names of albums and songs. And so I, we organized a couple of shows um, playing, they were um, more um, fundraisers in Pittsburgh 
like one we did a Neil Young tribute night, one we did like a Nuggets, you know, and I, I can, you know, let you know more about that, but played in an interesting variety of songs for those. And so, so was just very inspired to get back into playing music live and writing more. And um, after I was invited to do the tape with Sean, then I just finished, finished up some of the recordings. Some of those songs feature my cousin on lead vocals, but it was just, that was just me solo, you know, for, for the rest of the instruments and the instrumentation recording with my friend Kevin in the summit home. And then for my next album, Sean, um, agreed, you know, suggested that we do vinyl. So that was the, that was my next, that was my full length. Um, if you take your magic slow and that's also mm -hmm. on people records that led to that. And for that album, it was also a combination of recording some of the songs here at my house and then some with another friend. I have this theme of recording in home-based studios, <laughs> which kind of runs through all of, you know, most of my recordings because with Ladybug, we, we recorded all of our music at Marlboro Farms where I lived in Brooklyn in our house and where Gary runs the studio. And I've just have always been very comfortable in that kind of recording setting. I've also, you know, recorded in outside studios or offsite studios or whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> Cause they're all professional studios, but um, yeah. So for, if you take your magic slow, I was also recording at a friend's studio in um, his house, but that was in another part of Pittsburgh called Hazelwood. And um, then started playing live. Our first live show was actually a pretty incredible experience because it was at the Via um, music, new music and media festival. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this, festival but it I haven't no. it's unfortunately it doesn't exist anymore and it it was completely a homegrown in pittsburgh um lauren gashinsky who is a producer and a an event curator and dj um she found she co-founded it um with several other um pittsburgh artists and producers and we we actually performed our first show at the andy warhol museum Wow. opening up for julia holter <laughs> so, starting out was, big that was an incredible that was an incredible um opening experience, you know first yeah. official i would say that was the first official garment right. show and that festival was just fantastic because it was truly international it was truly multicultural um it, it was site specific lots of different kinds of spaces spaces in transition institutions versus like diy spaces it had film video interactive media and music um just really an incredible ambitious festival that lasted for i i mean possibly five years so unfortunately yeah unfortunately uh temporary thing for us <laughs> but yeah it was a great opportunity so that i mean that's kind of i guess the origins of <laughs> the garment district so yeah you you kind of mentioned just you know inspiration and uh again and i mentioned that there's this was this was a little bit of a challenge to connect the dots on this which is actually i mean to me a a testament to the album uh you know i hear all kinds of things i mean i hear psychedelic i hear folk i hear rock i hear there's some honky tonk moments that I've, I've kind of picked up on. And some, most of that is, is in the cover, but um, I guess I, I wanted that. to, yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about what does inspire you. What's it, what inspires you in terms of, 
and it's a very broad question, but what inspires you to to ultimately put out an album like this? I mean, what what are some of the things that feed into this? I, I know there's visual art, there's music, there's there's just different things. Can you share that? Well, first of all, I love the question. I think that just even the fact that you were able to hear those kinds of elements to me, like your last question of define success is like that to me is like, if you look at the, the the micro level, like that's a kernel of success right there, that someone would hear that. And um, because those are all things that excite me and inspire me. I mean, really the music, um, there's something about like writing and recording music that's almost a little bit like, I don't want to mystify it at all, but sometimes for me, it does feel like I can't describe it in words. Yeah, It's almost like alchemy even when like when you're recording and for me i really just listen to the music i'm very melody based so it's like it's um when i'm writing the music and when i'm recording the music i'm taking cues from the music from what's either i'm hearing inside or what's coming out from the instruments as far as inspirations i mean it's it's all over the place and all of those things that you just mentioned um you know my brother and I were really raised on music. I feel so fortunate to, this does go back to my childhood, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, having my mom t- took me to Peter, Paul and Mary, and my dad took Jeff to the Beach Boys. Those were our first shows. Wow. And, you know, having records, we had vinyl records all over the house and we had the stereo cabinet and we would just like, like a lot of kids around our age. Um, well, I feel so fortunate though, that it was a part of our childhood. We lying on our back, staring at the records. We had the headphones. We even made like our own radio shows. We would record on the Maxell cassette tapes, like <laughs> make up our own radio shows, even with commercials and stuff. Wow. <laughs> and we had all those like compilations with like the goofy songs, but they were like really good songs. Like they were cool bands or like the com- the jingles for commercials, like having someone like Jake Holmes or whatever. I mean, these are amazing musicians, you know, writing incredible jingles. That doesn't really happen anymore yes songs are in commercials but there I guess there were just um songs and melody and arrangements all around us um from birth you know like my mom would sing Stuball was a racehorse to us Peter Paul and Mary like that was our lullaby song and then she went on to name her first dog Stuball you know like (laughs) like really she cannot she cannot hear the song without bawling like it is (laughs) it's it's there's just times in our lives are all associated with songs and with music and so records were always there beach boys beatles neil young like i i joke around but it's so true like we weren't raised with religion but you know my parents would take us to see or get us tickets to see leonard cohen Mm -hmm. bob dylan neil young so it was just always there and then it got to the point where and i've talked to other friends of mine who had similar situations where like okay, you're getting to high school and you're getting to punk and you're in theater company or whatever and you have to rebel. It's like, it's hard to kind of rebel against your parents when they're taking you to see like who's Skirdu and replacements right. or they're going to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, and I, do. I mean, I mean, we kind of, we kind of like went down different paths at times. Like this is a crazy story when we were on a family vacation once and we would go around and, you know, whose picket is, who's going to play something or pick something like play DJ like you do when you're on tour or with friends over. And I remember once I put in this cassette, my my mom was like, what the hell is this or something? It was butthole surfers. And she like ripped the 
<laughs> Come on. Out of the play. It was like that was that was my I guess that was my one moment of when that I was able to like, okay, I'm rebelling a little bit. But no, I mean, so we would go to concerts together and there was so much support. And Jeff always had bands in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I was like, you know, the the really loyal, like loved going to always we went to there were so many great shows we went to cure new order rem growing up great great venues that don't exist anymore here and you know of course i was the supportive sister and always going to jeff's shows and he was playing a lot of those songs you know cover bands covers and originals but i don't know i guess it got to the point where it dawned on me like i could play music too and and i've talked to a lot of of my friends at you know like whether it's a gender issue or like did, did we not early on have as many um role models as there are now for women playing music and so i guess i don't know i finally just realized i want to start playing music too Good. Um, just being raised and it raised you know as as inspiration it's listening because listening can be an inspiration too yep. you don't just have to be constantly making music but having it around you and being inspired that way and and then also, you know, for me, film is a huge inspiration. You know, I I just, I love all of like 70s film or weird horror films or like folk horror TV shows. We're always trying to dig up like British, especially like British 1970s horror shows or old BBC programs. I mean, you know, like Granada <laughs> TV and stuff. So we're um, visuals, yes, film, design, um, and and so many different kinds of music that I'm inspired by. So the fact that you were able to pick up those different elements, um, I love so much music from all of those kinds of genres. And and I love musicians who, you know, you you might look at their career and they kind of evolve or bring in elements from from those different genres in in their albums over time. I really love that as well. Um, so I'm glad that you picked up on that. This is, and I'm, I'll kind of tease it before we hear the next song, but this is a headphone album. And, and let me tell you, I, before we, we got on, I was listening to it on my, my stereo, and it's, it's incredible there. But the texture of it, and, and I think to me that's the psychedelic, psychedelic, I can't say the word today, the psychedelic piece of it is, because we all, we've all heard, you know, quote-unquote psychedelic music, but what I think, where I think it's represented here is in the layers and the depth. There's there's a depth here that um, I think it's best appreciated with headphones, um, whether it be cheapo headphones or really nice headphones. I don't think it matters. There's just a lot to, to kind of chew on, and that's what I love. I love the textures and the layers. And again, we're going to talk about that when we get to mixing and mastering. Thank because, you so much, though. That's yeah. that's like the heart. I think that's actually one of the most um, important things that I'm trying to do with music. And yeah. most people have a really difficult time describing what they hear. You're savvy. You get it. You're you know music so well, and it's a part of your DNA that you're comfortable talking about it. But like you said, um, words are used or buzzwords, or it's because it's it's difficult for us to talk about describing what we see and we hear because of the way our society like this is it has a lot to do with the digital world and the quick fragmented um way where reality is presented to us well easily easily digestible i mean that's i what i think of in today so yeah i'm sitting here with like 
1400 records and they're all on the floor <laughs> and my wife just wants to like wring my neck but and yeah you know what playing records is kind of a pain in the neck okay so you know i mean cleaning and and right. storing but it, there's I, there's such an investment in that versus the digital side which again i listen to digital too i'm not gonna sure. lie but but I, I don't generally i don't i don't get the same level of of, of uh immersion that i would because exactly. i'm because i'm participating in this with the it's ritual. a ritual i like ritual i like everyday right. rituals and right. it's tactile and hope i hope this can be enjoyed digitally we you know we'll talk about that with the mastering but I and you're not saying like it and no one is saying oh it must only be heard on vinyl and you can no. only listen I, no, none of us are saying that nope. but but what you talked about with the text texture to me is very important yeah well it comes through uh so great conversation so far again I've got Jennifer Barron from the Garment District joining me today this has been a very very fun conversation and we've got so much more fun stuff to come uh we're going to take a little break here and we're going to hear another track from her band, her album, however you want to call it. There's a lot of people involved in this. Uh, Flowers Telegraph to all parts of the world. And this is the opening track, and we're going to go ahead and hear Left on Coast.
right, we just heard Left on Coast, the opening track from uh, the album Flowers Telegraph to All Parts of the World by the Garment District. Uh, I'm very much honored to have Jennifer Barron here today, the main perpetrator behind that. Uh, we're, I, in researching for, for this conversation, which I tend to do quite a bit, uh, I found in a couple different spots um, references to making music with family. And so I, I kind of dug into that a little bit further, and I, I, I did read that, you know, your family has a very long his, music history, um, it, particularly in that in that Western PA area. Um, you know, you had mentioned earlier a couple of times talking about Jeff. Uh, Jeff from the Ladybug Transistor, he's had other projects, but um, I know you guys work together on that. And, and also you mentioned uh, collaborating with Lucy, who frankly is a complete rock star in my eyes. Um, you know, I, I guess I'd like to know a little bit about what it is about working with family from an artistic standpoint, or in this case, a musical standpoint. What is it that, that makes it so fascinating and so interesting to you? That's a great question. And I always thought it would be a cool topic, you know, for a book or a documentary or something. It would be, but, yeah. And, and I don't feel like a lot of people discuss it or ask about it. So I really appreciate that. And I think um, I'm part of it is is the heritage that our relatives, so our grandfather, my, my dad's side of the family, his entire side of the family is from Croatia, from Zagreb. And here in Western Pennsylvania, when my great grandparents um, came to the U.S. and came through Ellis, well, um, some through Ellis Island and some through Philadelphia, um, but it's like a typical like I'm a granddaughter of a coal miner and a steel worker, very Western Pennsylvania. Sure. Um, so my mom's side coal that worked in coal mines, and her family from Wales and England, and then our dad's side from Croatia. And my great grandfather organized this tent. They were called Tamaritza orchestras, even if it was a family group. So my great aunt played our great aunt, um, our grandfather and our great uncle and our great grandfather. And um, a lot of times what families would do, you probably know this because of this similar, very large um, Eastern European population in Michigan as well. Yep, for sure. Um, but having boarding houses, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they would tell stories about like someone would sleep during the day, then work the night shift. Someone would sleep at night, then work the day shift. And the family bands would entertain them. They'd make their own um, different forms of alcohol. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, so our relatives lived in Braddock and Rankin, Monongahela, River Towns in Western PA, very close to the city of Pittsburgh had huge Croatian populations and also in West Virginia in a town called Benwood. And my grandparents would talk, my grandmother would cry talking about this neighborhood called Harmony Hill, which was all um, Croatian friends and family. So they lived in those places and they, I mean, and it was really, really difficult times. I mean, there were times when I think my grandfather, because my grandparents lived to be in their nineties. So I got, we got to talk to them a lot and hear them play and hear them sing. It was very informal. And this was when they were very, very young and they were kind of forced into it by our great grandfather. It was like a way to work and you know have bring in money and have orders or play at events and things. So, and they also played on radio shows, but nothing was recorded at the time and documented. There are, we have a few incredible family photos 
um, which one of them I submitted actually to a Carnegie Museum of Art, an online, like a collective family album project in West, Western Pennsylvania. But I did try to do some informal interviews with my grandparents through email and talking with them, Not you know, nothing like a formal oral history, but love talking to them about this. So that has always interested in me because I love tamboritza music. And um, I just love, again, I love the melodies. I especially love the, the instrumentals, which are the kolos, K-O-L-O. It's like the, the traditional folk dancing. Hmm. And that was the music that the dances were done to. And um, so Jeff and I both inherited um, a huge collection of 78s that belonged to my grandparents and great uncles, even some sheet music for some songs that my great uncles oh. wrote. Yeah, this it's the materials. There's something I don't I think that a lot of bands I love have siblings like I, when I saw your question, I was really excited. So I tried to think, you know, the kinks, um, Beach Boys, Cal Sills, Carpenters. The Clean, um, Jad Fair and his brother, Danielson Family, Breeders, even newer bands like Versus, okay, Sparks, um, Gorky's. I don't know if you're a fan of Gorky's Zygotic Minky from Wales. <laughs> oh They're one of my favorite bands. <laughs> um, just thinking about siblings and bands and that there, there are a lot of bands I love who that contain siblings, which There's is a lot, a lot. And so many more. I'm sure you could add so many more to this list. Yeah. Um, and some of it, I can't really even explain why. It's just um, the dynamic or how you think about things or things that are instinctual. I'm not really sure. It just fascinates me. Is it, I mean, is part of it even just connecting on that level? So, you know, I mean, you know, you and Jeff were siblings. I have a sister. My kids have brothers and sisters, you know, each one, whatever. But like, you know, you, you kind of go through life and you've got these connections that you make. But when you make like art, art together or music together, I wonder if that just takes it to like a different place. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. I absolutely think that's true. It, I mean, it's true with anyone you make music with, but yeah. then you have that added bond. Like you're saying, it's almost unspoken. Okay. Right. So there's something or like with Jeff, we we're so close in age mm. that um, we, you know, we're not twins, but there are bands with twins, which is yeah. fascinating too. I mean, the deals, you know, um, but having that link, like having a bond from pre-verbal. So like even pre-verbal, we had music, right. Playing all around us. And it kind of takes you back, I guess, to this core, to this, these early, the earliest stages of life through music, whether it doesn't have to be music you made together, but, um, there is, there's something unspoken there. And I don't know, there's something that there can be a comfort level and an ease, but there can also be incredible tension too. And oh, that, fa sure. that fascinates me too, <laughs> you know? So it's not all, you know, there can be tempestuous moments and that also fascinates me. And I mean, I think with Lucy, um, there's a lot to say there because, I mean, she's my first cousin and we have a very, very strong bond with our personalities, but we also, you know, she was very young when we started working together, but, you know, I'll introduce her to music that she might, she, we're in very different worlds, like mm -hmm. in our lives or with music, but we also have these overlaps. And I think that's interesting too. 
there can be like these divergent things and then there can be these things that you share um or maybe you collaborate with some people who it's hard to explain like they might do their own thing that's completely different but it's their creative voice but yet they have something to contribute to what you're doing that fits perfectly does that make sense 100 you know? percent um, yeah, I mean, especially if you've ever been in, in, and you have, I mean, but if you've ever been in a band with people and then they go and do a quote unquote side project and you're like, why, why are they doing a side? Why, why wouldn't they do that here? It's hard to, to wrap your head around that. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, for us with Lucy, I think just, and we can talk about it more with the studios, we just enjoy the process so much. It, there's an ease there. It's a joyful, it's just, I love being, we like, love being in each other's company. And um, with her, it's like, there. with Jeff, we're like, as I said, we're, it's so much the same generation. We have all the, we love so many of the same things. We have so many of the same friends. I mean, all, we go in different directions though musically too. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love Essex Green and we're both in Ladybug together. Yep. I have Garment District, he has Essex Green. Actually, I think there's connections between the two. He actually played guitar on one of my out on some of the songs on If You Take Your Magic Slow. Nice. Jeff did. Um, and you know, you just know you know people, you know certain family members so well that it, again, it's like kind of like this unspoken thing. There's some similar similarities that are almost like so in your dna they are, it's your dna literally but it's yeah. it's it just fascinates me hey it, it that's a tough question <laughs> it's hard to answer it is hard to it's, answer. Very, it's very personal um and, and it seemed like every time you would you would make a point i was like wait that's it and then you would make another i'm like well maybe it's that <laughs> yeah, I think it's all it's all a different thing i think one right. really good example is like the carpenters and the kinks too because like I mean, the Kinks, I, if I had to pick, like, my favorite rock band, I mean, it would probably be the Kinks or the Small Faces. Okay. And, or maybe the Kinks. If I had to say, like, a rock band, you know, or yeah. just a yep. band, a band's band. I don't know. There's so many answers to that. But there's something that just fascinates me because I love Dave's songs. Love Dave Davies' songs. Sure. I love Ray Davies' songs, too. But there's something that fascinates me about how they're similar yet different. They go together. So it, it's like this organic connection, but I don't know. It's hard to explain. No, I get you can it. hear each other and the other one, but they're, they complement each other at the same time. Yeah. It, it, it's a tough question. And, but it, you know, it, it seems to be a theme with you. So I had to understand that. And, and again, I have to say it again, Lucy's a, a complete rock star to me. <laughs> um, so every time I listen to the album, I'm like, she needs to, she needs to do more albums. She needs to, she needs to be vocalist on other things. I don't know what they are, but we need to hear more. Yeah. Well, she does something with her brother too in LA. So, and it's okay. like, she's a comedy. So she, she's a writer, comedy writer and does comedy shows. And um, yeah. And I think her voice is incredible and it fits the oh. music so well. And like, for me, since I'm not, I don't consider myself a singer, but I'll always do backups or harmonies or double, you know, I'll do it in the studio. Yep. And that's where to me, um, there's something about being related, um, being cut first cousin. There's just something about a comfort. It just works for us. It works for our voices. 
you might not even know we're both singing together on a lot of the stuff, but it just, mer you know, it blends. Yeah. And that's something that really interests me. Um, you know, I, I love the visuals for the album. I think it complements the music, which is the goal, as you know. Yes. Uh, so what, what, you know, you said you knew you were going to do black and white. So and I'm looking at the, the this is, I think, a, a drawing on the other side of the insert. And then, you know, yes. the front cover. Like, what, what, was, what was the inspiration? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of really cool stuff on here. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot going on. So this yeah. is a huge process. It's funny. I um, had this great opportunity. It was really fun to be interviewed by this music blog, The Third Eye, which is all dedicated to psychedelic music. And the blog, the writer, the website um, founder is lives in Tennessee. And he was talking about, you know, the question of, do you judge an album by its cover? Sometimes yeah. I do. Sometimes I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I take all of this very seriously, like every little detail of not just the recording, but the way the packaging was going to look was so important to me. And first of all, I just am so thrilled and honored that, you know, Mike and happy, happy birthday to me wanted to do release this album and on vinyl, um, which we can talk about, but, um, the, this was an incredible process like you were talking about the depth and the textures that's what I wanted to communicate with the album artwork as well and I got to work with um just an incredible group of women based here in Pittsburgh so helping with the design of the cover and the layout and everything the typography um is my friend Ashley um who's an illustrator and she has her own website she sells her own products and illustrations um and she, you know, she designs stickers and tote bags and cards. And so we, we started working on this and I, I come up with like ideas for elements. You know, I don't have the technical st skills like illustrator to just throw this all, you know, not throw right. it all together because it's a lot of work, but I kind of have the, the big picture. Sure. So we would share, you know, and, again, and we were, we started working at times of like, I can't remember where we were in the phases of all these of, of the pandemic because again it's like so warped with time but you know we would I would create like a Dropbox folder of inspirations or moods or images and I love that she was into that we would share different things different ideas um you know albums I've loved growing up with like whether it's like gift from a gift from a flower to a garden Donovan or you know just the album covers that I love Bee Gees album covers and whatever <laughs> you know different inspirations and um this painting that's on the cover is is something that I found like it's like a thrift store painting <laughs> and we um altered and I knew that I wanted to use it both on my website and you know some elements of it but I knew I wanted it to be part of this album artwork I wasn't quite sure how so we had different iterations and different ideas and concepts that we worked on over a pretty long period of time but we altered the colors and then the textures in the background are photographs I took of um, curtains that my mom made, like in the late 60s, in the 70s, I mean, um, literally that I still have, I still use curtains and tablecloths that my mom sewed, these incredible floral patterns. Huh. So, because um, I, I love vintage fabric. And that's kind of sometimes hard to incorporate in things with very 2D. Yep. Um, Typography, I'm really into typography. So the main um, the main font with it, the name of the, 
band I was inspired by actually a book that's on it's like a book on um I have it right over here it's a a really great book on British like folk and psych I don't you probably know this I, I'll have to get it and tell you what it is but um it was it was a font that, a typography that was kind of similar on this book it was funny because then I started seeing this font I started seeing typography more similar to this after you know I finished this album <laughs> Um, so, and then the, so the illustrations of us that you were asking about, um, are done by another incredible artist based in Pittsburgh and she, you'll see her name on here, Maggie Negrady, yep. um, Negretti. So sorry, Maggie Negretti. She's, she had, I knew that she was going to do this insert. So the idea was like an insert poster, um, and of, of us on the one side and then I think I was just getting to, you know how when you're working on a creative project and it's just like you have insomnia or whenever it just comes, you're just kind of at this point where you just need, you just need one more thing yep. to put it all together. For you sure. just need, yeah. You just need like that light bulb moment or you need that shift in your thinking. And I knew that I wanted, for me, I always like to include like the hand drawn with something graphic, with something that has depth. I don't know if that makes sense. And putting it all together, like how yeah, can you? I see it. Up? Yeah, and that's kind of like what I try to do with the music too. So I wanted it to be a visual counterpart to the music and re represent colors and textures and depth, and also the people involved. And I I knew we couldn't I couldn't have illustrations of everyone involved in this album. Um, but since we were already doing the insert poster, I was just thinking. I don't know. All of a sudden, it came to me. Why don't we just try to superimpose part of the the illustration almost like as a teaser on the front of the album, and then that was it. That was like the final thing we needed, and they helped Ashley help lay it out. Maggie adjusted the illustrations. The sun we I wanted the sun to be the same color as the vinyl, so the orange would be like the vinyl that would be pulled out, you know, because mm. um, the original painting is different colors, so mm. we changed it to match, and then. Like when Mike said, what color do you want your vinyl to be? I mean, imagine how thrilled I was. Oh, my goodness. Just to be able to do it on vinyl. I mean, for me, like, that is such validation for me. And it's just, um, it means so much to me that this is able to come out on vinyl. And so um, in Third Man, I will get to that. But um, just the the orange opaque color. I mean, they, were so, they have so many incredible colors. It was a little bit hard to decide. And then, you know, but you have to hand in, so the, I forgot about this because it had been a while, but the label that goes on the vinyl, you have to hand that in long before the rest of the album artwork. So we had to be well ahead with our color scheme and our typography, right? Mm. And the song title. So on the back and the bottom left is this incredible site where we filmed the video for Left on Coast. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw the video. I have, yep. Yeah, but um, it's an abandoned, it's another topic for another day, but no, it's an, it's an abandoned Nike missile site. <laughs> you, can, you can look them up. And Pittsburgh had a lot of fortifications because we were making steel for the rest of the world. Oh. Um, and the crazy thing is that when I first looked at our house before we moved in here, I noticed this, I can see the structure way in the distance from my, from the room where I'm sitting right now. Oh, that's cool. And I always thought it was an observatory. It looks like an observatory or a water tower, but it's part of this abandoned Nike missile site, um, where 
Then I thought, oh, they're just detecting missiles. But apparently, I don't know, I've heard mixed stories. There's great articles about it. Like they they could have defended. Then we found out our good friend Fred's friend's uncle used to work there and there was like an underground bunker. So of course I've been obsessed with it. And then I started to see it on this um, hiking trail where we take our dog all the time called the Panhandle Trail. And I was like, I have to go there. So we just discovered um, that it was really easy to get to. And people do go up there to take photos. It has a great, great view um, of the mountains in the distance. And um, you, and it's not like, it, it's not blocked off to get up to the top, but um, we filmed, we filmed, let's just say we filmed a video there. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's leave it at that. Let's leave it. And then, the, but then that structure that you're seeing in that photo, that is completely surrounded in fencing. And that still is like, those red, white, and blue do not trust us. US property of the US government, those really scary metal signs. And then the top right hand photo is one that my aunt took at the Greenbrier. So that's it. So that's in West Virginia. But um we worked on yeah, we worked on having all the colors and the typography and um using just different elements from some of my vintage collections as inspiration and um, I think with Maggie's illustrations, it really tied it all together. Oh, it's great. I, I love it. You've given me so much homework, though. There's so many things I've written down <laughs> that I have to check out now. <laughs> I know. Also oh, and she also, the cool thing is I sent her photos. Um, you know, all of these instruments, like everything on the poster is from my house. So, or I use on the album. Mm -hmm. So that's my melodica, my phone, 80s phone, like the clear one. Um, some the some of the pedals, which we can talk about in the recording, I borrowed microphone in the studio. You know, these are all illustrations of the actual things again that are either on the album or from my house. Yeah. So, so for those of you who are only listening and uh, haven't seen what we're talking about, this is your reason to go buy the album. <laughs> you have to see oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really it's 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 great, and it complements the music so well. And um, let, let's go ahead and listen to another track. So you know we're gonna listen to the I believe it's the second track on the album, "A Street Called Finland." I love this track so much. I think it's like I love. I have an obsession with the second track on albums, which oh, we I like could do. That. We could do a whole episode on that. That's but... a great topic. <laughs> it, it, it really. If you, I start, love like I love. I love hyper specific topics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my daughter shared with me this Facebook group she's a member of. It's oddly specific playlists. It is oh, worth it's okay. worth joining. It is so okay. funny. I'm gonna have to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's go ahead and give a street called Finland a listen.
hope you enjoyed part one of my two-part discussion with Jennifer Barron of the Garment District. We discussed her band's 2023 release, Flowers Telegraph to All Parts of the World. As you can tell, it was one of my favorite albums of last year, and I really, really hope that you enjoy it. But stay tuned for episode 31, which is part two of our discussion, where we continue speaking of the album, more of Jennifer's interests, and a whole lot more. As always, you can find this episode as well as all the previous episodes of the Vinyl Detroit podcast on all major podcasting platforms. So once again, stay tuned for part two of my discussion with Jennifer Barron of the Garment District.